in the morning. When you want the news, you need the front page every hour on the press box. Nothing's writing on this except the uh, First Amendment, the Constitution, freedom of the press, and maybe the future of the country. Not that any of that matters. And now, the news. Here's a fun twist. Some news this morning in the NBA. Adrian Wojnarowski tweets... Sixers officials and Rich Paul have progressed in talks over recent days on a resolution to bring all-star Ben Simmons back to Philadelphia oh. in the near future. Wow. He's coming back? Yeah, well, uh, Woj also sent a follow-up tweet saying they are still exploring trade options, but okay. there's apparently now a chance that Ben Simmons does return to Philadelphia. Well, open arms. <laughs> Come on back, Betty. <laughs> we want you back after all that's been said. Is he really gonna? Can he really I, go back and play for that I team? I don't know. And if he goes back, if he goes back and plays poorly, it's a good city to be in. Well, if he goes, good, <laughs> if he goes back, period, it's a good city to be in. There is uh, no way he's getting a warm welcome from no, the Philadelphia fans. No, that's what I'm saying. Fans. Can you imagine the Philly fans if he comes back? I don't think you get a warm welcome from the nicest fans <laughs> in any city. I mean, it's unbelievable. So. I have to imagine because Adrian Wojnarowski and Sham Sharnia, the two biggest NBA insiders, both tweeted basically the same thing within seconds of each other about, hey, they've been working to try to get him back in Philadelphia. Is this simply a way for the Sixers to up his trade value? Simply a way for them to say, look, he's coming back. Probably. We have some leverage. That's to talk about leverage. I think so. I can't imagine he actually but plays what? for him. He told Joel Embiid and the rest of his teammates Don't come. not to come yeah. see him. Yeah. Like they Lose were gonna <laughs> they were gonna get on a plane and fly to see him, and he said, Don't waste yeah. your time. There's no way that guy can come back. I I mean, to this point, I don't know if they had any leverage because everyone knew that. Maybe this gives them a little bit. Yeah. If I, you really want him, if you want to trade for him. Yeah, I know the the only reported offer that we've seen, and this was actually before Ben Simmons started like refusing to talk to his teammates, the was Indiana offered Malcolm Brogdon in a first round pick, and which is yeah. a, a starting level point guard yes. in the NBA and a first, a first round, round pick. pick. And the Sixers said no because they no. want much more for that. It would seem to appear that they're not even getting that offer anymore. So we'll see this, if they turn down that turn down that again. Yeah. So this would appear to be a matter a matter of hey, uh, we need to get something for Ben Simmons. So let's pretend like everything's okay. That's a great great question. Texas A and M beat oh. Alabama forty one to thirty eight. Alabama lost to an unranked team for the first time since two thousand and seven. Uh, Georgia is now number one. Iowa's number two. Um, Alabama. It's all over. Has a loss. If Alabama runs the table, beats Georgia or whoever in the SEC title game. Oh, they're in. They're in the college they're football in. playoff. They're in. If they run the table but lose to Georgia they're in the in. SEC title game, are they in at 11-2? and two? Yes. I'm going to disagree and say no. I don't think they'll be in either. Didn't they do that already? They did it the one year where they didn't win the conference championship. They let them in that year. They I don't even, know what their they record was. They didn't even was. play in the conference they, excuse championship. Me, excuse me. They didn't even play in the conference championship. I don't know if they had one or two losses. They lost. That was the year they lost to LSU in the 9-6 game and then came back and destroyed them. Like LSU didn't get past right. midfield right. in the national championship. Game. I don't think at 11-2 and two they get in. I, I think that that committee has had so much, let's say, crap against it for things like that. Let's say Cincinnati runs the table this year. 
I think Cincinnati's getting in. It'll depend a lot on what the other teams are. If oh, you sure, have, sure. if Georgia, let's if, say, if they lose to Georgia and Georgia's thirteen and zero, well, they're number they're one seed. In. But like, if Iowa manages to go undefeated, if Cincinnati manages to go undefeated, if you have, if you have others undefeated teams, can't or, put a two loss team in. or one loss power five champions, right. they're getting it. Even Oklahoma at this point, even though they haven't looked great, if Oklahoma right. goes undefeated, they're probably all getting in yeah. now. Very rarely do we have three or four undefeated teams, right? These teams True. are going to lose over the course of the season. So the question will be Alabama in that scenario will be the best two loss team. They'll be the highest sure. ranked two loss team. The question will be how many undefeated and one loss one teams, are, teams there. are there. If there's four, I think I'm with you. I don't think Alabama's think so. getting in because if you lose a, this game to Texas A&M, who has not been very good this year. No, and won't. then B, you turn around and lose to Georgia. That's, no. that's the team you're going to have to beat in the college football playoff. I I think they wouldn't get in unless there's only three unbeaten slash one loss champions out there. Next question. Steve Nash says Kyrie Irving will not play in home games. The quote from Nash was, I think we recognize he's not playing home games. We're going to have, we're going to have to for sure play without him this year. So it just depends on when, where, and how much should the Brooklyn Nets basically let Kyrie Irving only play in some road games this year. Sure. It's Kyrie Irving. I'd let him play. I mean, I think the whole thing is a little buffoonery to begin with that he's doing what he's doing. But I, you're saying, you're saying, would you sit him the whole year and not play him at all? I'd play him. I think that's what I would do. Would you? I'd play him. I mean, so you're talking about I mean, Kyrie I'm not Irving. agreeing with what he's doing. Yeah, so he can't play home games because he's not vaccinated and right. New York has a mandate in place to be in certain buildings. You have to be vaccinated. As do some road teams. Yeah, he cannot play in L.A. now, and he cannot play in San Francisco. Uh, Bay Area. Yeah, so that ends up being close to 50 of their games this season. If I'm if I'm the Nets, I think I'm looking around saying, okay, Kyrie, we don't need you. Like, go, go away. Like, we don't need you. Like, again... He's superfluous if they have Harden and Durant healthy. The only real need for Kyrie Irving is if one of those two get hurt. And I think I'd, I might look around and I'd be willing to say, yeah, Kyrie, we don't need you. We'll be fine. Like, because here's here's the, here's the main question. I mean, are you just mad? And I, I don't agree with anything he's doing. But what if you got 32 games out of him uh, because it was an injury situation that had nothing to do with the vaccine? Would you play him? What do you mean? If he was hurt? Yeah, if it was if it was an if it was an issue beyond the vaccine, if there oh, was none of this yeah. vaccine and 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 of course, and he was he was eligible to play in of course, thirty whatever games. That's not him choosing. That's him just being hurt, not being available. He's available. He just can't. He's just not willing to get the vaccine to help his team out. So here, here's the real question: If you're the Nets, regular season's irrelevant. Is anything going to change by the time the playoffs get here? Oh, I think he's he's to the wall with this thing. So don't you think so? Well, is anything going to change with the mandates in these cities? Oh, no, I playoffs? don't think so. So what are you going to do in the playoffs? Might get harsher. Kyrie's not going to play in games one and two of the first round, but he's going to be ready to go for games three and four. That's stupid. If uh-huh. I'm Steve Nash in the Nets, I'm saying, no, thanks. Get out of here. What if you're down? Oh, two. I don't get out of here. <laughs> I don't want to be old man locker room guy, but do you really want like the other people in the locker room to be like, oh, hey, there's the guy who just. Right. He, well, they're probably already up. like that. Right. I mean, Durant's already told him. I think Durant's actually. Well, yeah, he absolutely has that. Yeah, there's been there's been some there's reports been, there's been Durant's reports that Durant has gone to him and said, "Can you do this yeah. for us?" How do you look around and say, "All right, guys, we're in Detroit tonight. Kyrie will be here in 20 minutes. Get ready." Because it's all about. He's winning. the third best player on the team. Good player though. He's the third best. 
This is not the guy they need to win a title. So you're okay then if Durant goes down on the first night? Yeah, whatever. It's a regular <laughs> season. No, no, no. If he's, if he's, I know if, what you're saying. He gets then, hurt, and yeah, yeah he gets hurt, and now all of a sudden it's Harden and Timothy Lewis, yeah, exactly a bunch of guys. Sure. Yeah. If listen, if Durant's hurt, they're not winning the title. That's true. If Durant's like done for the season. Kyrie no, and James Harden aren't winning the title. Right. So if Durant's out for the year, yeah, whatever. That makes it even easier for me to say no to Kyrie because now I can't win. <laughs> I can say no to him even easier now. Now, if James Harden goes out, I think you can win it with Durant and Kyrie. I agree. Durant's the key. Yeah. He has to play. If Harden goes out and suddenly is out for the season, that might be a bit different question. But if Durant's done, nah. Give me your odds that he gets the vaccine. 1%? Yeah. I don't. I, I mean, just don't. And I'm saying, as they get into the season, he keeps missing these games. Will it, I don't think it changes his mind. Yeah, no, not at all. He's he's coming off as hard headed, fake smart. Like he thinks this is some oh, yeah. stand where he's yeah. right and everybody else and is that he's wrong. Like the typical Kyrie, yeah. he thinks he's smarter than everyone in right. the room, and he's not going to change his mind. Like that's what he's, he's coming off as right now. And that's so. What's going to make him change his mind? Maybe losing game checks will. That, I mean, there's a potential that is. I but he already, he's got to know that by now. Yeah, she knows how much he's going to so, lose. So that's but that's the only thing to me that would make it change at this point is if when he realizes, oh, they're not paying me. If you, oh, if wait you, a minute, I thought it was wait. the first and fifteenth. Hold on, wait. You're his agent, and you get what? Like three percent? Three percent. Do you drop him because it's just like, okay, how much money am no, I? No, you tell him I'm still getting three percent of your full contract. <laughs> oh, all right. Yeah, yeah you okay. say you sit those out, Kyrie. You're still paying me three percent. Oh, he's still of the getting full his contract. money. Okay. Yeah, yeah. I'm not taking a pay cut because no. you won't get the vet. No. If I'm his agent, I'm running in there with the needle to stab him. <laughs> Happy to move on to the to the next question here, Aaron. UNLV's game stab against him. UCLA and Cal will be broadcast on. Stadium. Oh, for God's sake. Uh, so you Not UNLV's... surprised about the Cal game, but no one picked up UCLA? Uh, none <clears throat> of UNLV's home non-conference games got picked up by actual television. Uh, those two will be on Stadium. At least it'll start on time. Yeah, it will. And the rest will still have to, or to be determined, which means they'll end up being UNLV Mountain West Network Productions. Now, the tournament has to be on Real TV. The Michigan. I mean, you got Michigan. Yes, that one is so on Michigan's ESPN. In that it, one's ESPN and ESPN, too. Okay. But these ones, uh, Fox Sports 1 and CBS could have picked up these games. They chose not Fox to. Fox Sports 1, surprising. Here's why. Both of those games are on Saturdays during the football season. Yep, that'll do it. Those are both November Saturdays. So really, their big game this year on TV, San Diego State on CBS. Yeah, they will play San Diego State on January CBS. January 1st yep, or something. New Year's Day. Uh, they, they did get a CBS game. Their conference schedule is pretty good. I think they have one game on stadium and conference play and then one game that's going to probably end up on the Mountain West Network. But 16 of their 18 are going to be on CBS Sports Network, FS1. Okay, that's good. Or CBS. But the non-conference is the home games completely. You're getting nothing. You're getting stadium for UCLA and then Mountain West Network for the rest of them. Wow. Not good. It's not. It's No, that's not good yeah, at all. Because when you're part of the benefit to, hey, we scheduled UCLA. We scheduled Oh, you want to be on television in case you win. Yeah. Who just went to the final four. Yes. We're going to be a top three team. Exposure for that. Right. You get some like, hey, UNLV. They won't even be on UCLA TV. UCLA will come in here top four. Yeah. Not even going to be on TV. It's not even a chance because nobody f- accidentally flips to stadium. People might accidentally flip to ESPN two on a random Thursday. Nobody's accidentally flipping to stadium on a Saturday during football season. It's just not happening. I don't care about your next question. Mark few has been suspended for the first three games of the season. That's actually a little bit of a misnomer because it's actually two exhibition games. And then the first yeah. game of the season 
Uh, he was arrested for DUI in September. Schedule a third is, exhibition game. <laughs> and this is the uh, internal punishment that has come down against Mark Few. Yeah, I was the other day when I saw his um, when I saw his tweet and his next apology. He's apologized a few times on Twitter, releasing these statements when he said I won't be around the first three games. I'm like, man, I three regular season games. That you know, that's not, not. I'm not disagreeing with it. I mean, what he did was wrong, but I said. And then I I reread it. I'm like I, I went to their schedule. I'm like, does that include those two games? Because if you close those two games and the exhibitions, I think their coaches can get through that talented of team through two exhibitions without him. Yeah. And it does. So really a one game suspension. One game suspension for Mark Few. But yeah. internal punishment. I guess that's better than what you'd expect. Does usually. he get paid per game? Uh, I think he just gets his salary. I think he does too. Yeah. Okay. Quick press box poll. Who gets a longer suspension? Mark Few or John Gruden? Now we're going with one game for Mark Few. We're not doing the other two uh, exhibitions. Mark Few? I agree. I agree. Yeah, I think Gruden gets fined. Yes. Next question. Help, helps if I can find the button. Ole Miss beat Arkansas 52-51. Arkansas missed a two-point conversion with no time on the clock in the fourth quarter. How happy were you? What like okay, Ole Miss is the most fun team in the world to watch because unless you're playing Alabama. Well, yeah, that was not fun. Um, hey, but popcorn. This was yeah. a game where literally no one could stop each right. other. Arkansas scored. Arkansas scored to tie the game with under two minutes to go. There were two more touchdowns in the game <laughs> after that. Ole Miss scored on its second play after that on a 60-something yard touchdown. And it was like, oh, they scored too early because they're still over a minute for Arkansas to go down and score, which, which they, they did. did. The funniest part was Arkansas had six seconds left through an incompletion in the back of the end zone. And there was one second left on the clock. This was in old, This was in Oxford, Mississippi. Lane Kiffin was like, how the hell was there one second left on the clock? Yeah, exactly. Like, how did that <laughs> clock not expire and end the game? Unbelievable, but they're the most fun team to watch. I don't think they can play defense again, but they're terrific. To Did watch. you listen to the Alabama announcer after the kick went through? Oh, who didn't say anything Said for nothing. like 30 seconds. And then he's like, well, the league's going to get $250,000 <laughs> fine because everyone that's not supposed to be on this field at Texas A&M is on this field. It's like, yeah, okay, pal. Yes, I think Texas A&M for beating Saban in Alabama will gladly pay $250,000 for whatever fine they're going to get for kids running on the field. He didn't even say no. like, the kick is good. He didn't even say kick's good. He no. just said out to attempt a field goal and then silence. Now, granted, I'm sure listening, you could hear the crowd lose its yeah, mind. Yeah, but still. But he didn't say anything for like no. 30 seconds. They were so depressed in that booth. Yeah. The one guy had to sit down and put his hands in his head. I don't know what he was doing. I don't, I don't know who that guy was, but they were so depressed when they lost that game. All right, coming up next. Oh, who doesn't love Alan Walsh? Is Tyler a know-it-all? Can you prove him wrong? Call the Press Box voicemail and let us know. 702-720-4678. Buster hits a fly ball. Deep to right field. Way back there. Adios, Pelota. On a 3-0 count. Buster Posey sends one to the opposite field. 2-0 Giants. We're back to the Press Box Morning Show with Ed Graney and Tyler Bischoff. Be part of the conversation on the Finley Kia text line at 69187. Finley Kia. Come see a Kia on West Sahara. Hey, Walker, every time Buster Posey hits home run, it's oppo. So let's go fastball outside on 3-0. Good pitch. 
Nice scouting report, Doc. The Golden Knights. <laughs> Unbelievable. So, uh, Dave Shane had a fun detail. Uh, hold on, hold on. Might have been on, Ben hold, Goats. Hold on. Press box transition. <laughs> no, Dave wrote the story. Wait, oh, did he? Yeah. Oh, my bad, my bad. Dave. Yeah, ben just it. tweeted it. That's true. Yeah. Oh, this is Dave's story. I thought, yeah, okay, yeah. this is Dave's story. Great story. Uh, Great story. Dave uh, had a fun uh, piece of information in a story uh, about the Marc-Andre Fleury trade. There has been a lot of criticism at the Golden Knights about how they handled the Marc-Andre Fleury trade, that he was not made aware directly by the front office, that he found out on Twitter about getting traded to the Chicago Blackhawks, and that the Golden Knights didn't treat the face of the franchise very well. But... Dave Shane had this detail. That communication, the communication between the front office and Marc-Andre Fleury about his potential trade, that communication stopped when president of hockey operations George McPhee said Alan Walsh started working behind the scenes to, quote, sabotage the trade by telling teams Fleury would retire. Now, basically what's happening here is George McPhee is now saying, hey, the reason we stopped telling Marc-Andre Fleury about the trade possibilities is because we would tell Marc-Andre Fleury and then Alan Walsh would turn around and call those teams sure. and say, if you trade for Fleury, he's retiring. He's retiring. Therefore, it's very hard to trade a player when the person you're trying to trade into thinks Fleury's going to retire. Why would you trade for the guy that you think is going to retire? So, so first question for you, do you believe George McPhee? Like, do you believe that there were outright Alan Walsh calling other teams to say, Hey, Flurry's going to retire. This has to be, this has to be flurry though, because Flurry's the one leaking the information to Alan Walsh, just like, Oh, I didn't know anything about a sword in the back. Well, I believe McPhee. I believe McPhee because I've always thought Walsh is a clown show. I absolutely believe that Alan Walsh would do this. Yes, it's a clown show. He's clown. Um, I also believe George McPhee has reason to, lie or or maybe uh fudge the details a sure, little because bit because of his, his fans reaction to that right. to that like, trade there's absolutely yes. reason sure. for mcphee to make like make this into a story if it wasn't right just hey why did you stop talking but i to believe him? him right but i also believe alan walsh did this yes. because what happened when they traded flurry the immediate conversation was well flurry might retire yes, exactly he might not play so i absolutely believe alan walsh was doing this now my other question on this how much did it actually have an impact here? Because they ultimately traded well, this guy for nothing. They got nothing for him. So if he was sabotaging yeah. a trade, how do you sabotage a trade where you get nothing in return? Unless he was successful, right? Maybe Alan Walsh was successful. Maybe Chicago was going to send him a third round pick or something. And then all of a sudden, Alan Walsh was like, well, he's going to retire and nobody would offer anything. So maybe Alan Walsh was successful in that regard. But I think maybe the, the story that's not going to end up being told here. Alan Walsh is like ruining Marc-Andre Fleury's reputation. Like it's not, he's not actually going to have it ruined because everybody still loves Marc-Andre Fleury, but we're talking about in the last, what, like 14 months, Alan Walsh has tweeted out a picture of a sword in Fleury's back with his coach's name on it. And now has come out and tried to sabotage a trade from the team he played for Fleury's great guy. Everybody loves Fleury. Nobody ever has anything bad to say about Fleury. His agent's an ass. <laughs> oh, he's a complete clown. But let me ask this. I think Jared brought up a good point. How much is it also Marc-Andre Fleury? I mean, uh, if they're in cahoots, then he's not trying to ruin his his reputation because Fleury's all for this. I mean, did we ever think that Fleury had no idea the sword was coming out? 
I would be willing to guess. Mark, none of this is actually Mark Andre Fleury's idea. He's not actively saying, "Hey, let's do this," but, but he's aware and he's not stopping. And he's it. not stopping it. Yes. Right? He's not stopping these things. He didn't stop the sword pitcher. He's not stopping the clown show from going around and saying, "This guy's going to retire." Yeah. You don't. I, you absolutely know that there were conversations. Look, Mark, you don't want to get traded. You don't want to lose leave Vegas. How do we stop the trade? We go out and just say you're going to yeah. retire. And I don't know who believed that. That. I know he's made a lot of money, but seven million, seven million. Sorry, so, you know you have a family. You know what I mean. <laughs> yes. So I don't know how many people really believe. Really, he's leaving seven million dollars on the table, no matter how much he's made in his career. Seven million dollars, given he's coming off of Vesna, he's going to retire off of Vesna and give up seven million. So I don't know if I was another team, how much I truly yeah. believed that. Yeah. I mean, the team's maybe a- agent calls and says, "Hey, he doesn't want to leave Vegas. His kids are in school and all right. this." Yeah, you you listen and say, "Oh, really? You might actually retire." So that's one thing, but I, okay. The Golden Knights front office, they're never going to look good from this trade. And listen, they got nothing for a guy who won the Vesna. They don't deserve to like look good from this. I am amazed though, that Marc-Andre Fleury has come out of this without any hits to his reputation. Because again, the Golden Knights, think about this. Take away the name Marc-Andre Fleury. Less than 12 months before they traded him, this guy's agent tweeted out a photo of a sword through his back with the coach's name on it. And less than 12 months later, when they're trying to trade him, they're surprised that they weren't open with that player about his trade yeah. possibilities. How is how is that a surprise to anybody? How would you think you would deserve that type of treatment when your agent tweeted out a photo with a sword through his back with Pete DeBoer's name on it? Take away the name Marc-Andre Fleury. There's no way if I'm a front office, I trust that agent or that player to tell them anything. I don't believe they trust him, and I think if anyone has negative feelings towards him, it's those people inside that organization. Right. Because the fans, this guy could do anything. I I saw a tweet last night. I'm not going to any more games. I'm giving up my tickets. I'm going to go to the Chicago game. I'm a Vegas Golden Knights fan, and I'm cheering for the other team. That's where you're at. And Dave did a wonderful story on, on trying to do they have to win the fans back? Have they lost the fans? Not just the Marc-Andre Fleury trade, but other trades they've made. And supposedly, whether it's Nate Schmidt didn't know or they didn't call him Nate Schmidt, they they get, got a reputation, whether it's warranted or not, because so many things happen behind the scenes. I don't know if I always believe either side. They have kind of garnered this reputation that they don't they don't handle these things they're, well. They're cold and don't yeah. always treat people as people. Right. It's they, they but, treat these as assets, right? right. That, that happens. And whatever, is that a good way to run an organization? Probably not. You probably want to be better than that to your people, but at the end of the day, they that's win. not the end of the world. But, and again, the guy had an agent tweet out a sword in yeah. his back with the coach's name on it. Yeah, you kind of lose the ability to get all the information from your front office sure. when you do that. How many of these same people, though, also defended, like, when Bill Foley, like, got rid of all the part-time employees at the stadium and were like, hey, it's a business, man. You can't, you can't expect, like, it's, so suddenly he, he treats one, he has to treat one side of it like, oh, come on, man, it's a business. You can't, you know, you can't let emotions cloud your judgment and then suddenly it's like why did you treat him so badly oh yeah because they're He's not my a, friend because they're in front they're in love with the players and yeah, they don't care well, about the workers this guy selling pizza at t-mobile's never made a save so i mean you don't know that maybe the pizza was about to fall out of the <laughs> oven coming up next ryan wallace joins the show want to be part of the show call the press box voicemail and let us know 702-720-4678 and leave your opinion 
this isn't the Alex Ovechkin Power Hour. This is the VGK Update with Ryan Wallace. Follow him on Twitter at RyanHockeyGuy. I'm out. Hello, Ryan. How are you today? Hey, Ryan. I'm good. How are you guys? Good. Uh, so, in about a, what, 10-month span, we had... Marc-Andre Fleury's agent, Alan Walsh, tweet out a photo of a sword in his back with the name Pete DeBoer, or excuse me, just DeBoer, on the sword. And then a report from Dave Shane over the weekend that Alan Walsh tried to sabotage a Marc-Andre Fleury trade by telling other teams that Fleury would retire if he was traded away from Vegas. How come none of this is stuck to Marc-Andre Fleury's reputation? Because he's... He, he's a good teammate and he smiles a lot and he's pretty awesome in goal. I, I, I don't know. I, I don't, that's why you have an agent, right? Like you have an agent because that's the guy that does a lot of the dirty work and the, the work behind the scenes. And, you know, I think in the case of Marc-Andre Fleury, uh, it, you can understand why he would be upset. You can understand why here in Vegas, kind of seeing what happened again to, to him uh, as to what happened in Pittsburgh, I think that you can understand his frustration. You can understand why he was upset at how things kind of went down. So I think that there's there's kind of an understanding in, in a meeting in the middle as to um, perhaps Mark Andre and Alan Walsh being justified in this. But, uh, I mean, the fact of the matter is it's done. It's over with. It's, it's history now, and it's, it's in the rear view, or at least it should be. Dave, you know, fair or not, they do have a reputation or they have had a reputation of being pretty ruthless when they make moves. Uh, we were saying before you came on, sometimes that's just business of sports and fans kind of don't understand that part of it. Uh, do you think it's a well-deserved reputation? Do you think they could be better at these things? Or do you say, you know what, they're assets, this is what business is, and we're going to move on the way we want to because it's our job only to build a winning team and not really care what people think? Yeah, I mean, personally, I'd like to see it you know, maybe a little bit better. Um, I, you know, I'm, I'm very much a proponent of uh, when it comes to, like, stuff going on with Jack Eichel. Like, I, I think that players should have a right to choose what kind of procedures they have on their body. Uh, but, I mean, everyone goes into this business understanding that you can be traded at any time. You Even if you have a, a full no move, it doesn't mean that, you know, at some point you're not going to be asked to waive that. So business decisions are business decisions in, this, in that regard. And when it comes to transaction of players, I can assure you it's not the first time that a player is found out on Twitter. It's not the first time that a player has been traded, say, I don't know, at their wedding. Um, every team does it. I think that, you know, it's just a little bit different here because that first season was something incredibly special. And every time that that chipped away at a little bit, I think the fan base kind of has, has even more of an emotional attachment to it. So, um, Every team does it. The Golden Knights are not unique in, in that regard, uh, but I think it means a little bit more here. What is your biggest concern after a lackluster preseason? Um, I, I mean, I'm concerned, I guess, that it would, it would kind of bleed into the regular season. I think that's the natural concern for everybody that watched those last few preseason games, that the Golden Knights aren't going to be able to just kind of flip a switch and, and bring the intensity level up. Um, beyond that, for me, it's probably Mark Stone. Like he played in a couple of games, but he didn't really look like himself. So I'm not concerned too much about the lackluster performance in the last two games. 
I am a little bit concerned just with, with Mark Stone getting to the regular season and then being able to dial that in and, and get his game back to where it needs to be. What are you most excited about that people might be surprised about? Ooh, uh, what am I most excited about? Um, probably getting to see the Seattle Kraken jerseys on the ice. Um, <laughs> as, as much as... As much as I joke about that, like I'm excited to see Robin Leonard um, kind of get into into the regular season. I, I know that a lot of attention is going to be paid to goaltending this year, and rightfully so. But you know, I, I just think that you know we are trying to judge these guys on preseason, on games that don't matter, and we have to recognize and understand that these athletes are, are well-oiled machines, and they're they're machines that are, are really focus in on games that mean something. So it's so hard to judge what they're going to do in the regular season based on the preseason. Um, and, and so I, I know that there was a lot of concern in terms of goaltending going into the regular season, but I think Robert Miner is going to silence that fairly early on here in the season. Ryan Wallace is the coach of the Golden Knights. What's your third line on opening night? Oh, uh, Peyton Krebs with oh. uh, Nolan Patrick and Evgeny Dubanov. Oh, that's oh. fun. That's fun. So have you have you seen enough from Krebs, or is this more about Matthias Janmark not showing enough? Yeah, it's, it's more about, uh, I mean, it's somewhere in the middle, but it's probably more that I just haven't seen anything out of Matthias Janmark, um, which I guess was a take that was um, really, 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 really dumb, as one person on Twitter told me. Uh, but, I mean, I, I haven't seen Matthias Yanmark. He hasn't really impacted many of the games that he played in the preseason. Again, hard to judge because you've got veteran players that are just trying to get their timing back. Results don't mean anything here. But I would have liked to have seen a little bit more from Yanmark, Patrick, and Dedanov. I didn't really get it. But in the moments where Peyton Krebs was playing with those other two guys, at least there were there were pockets where they, they popped. So, for me, that would be my third line. Krebs would play with Patrick and Dedanoff. What is different between Krebs and Cody Glass in terms of potentially playing them out of their natural position of center and on the wing? It didn't really work out well for Cody Glass. Why do you think it'd be different for Krebs? Uh, it's just it's his motor. He works. He, he's not afraid to kind of get into the corners and, and work along the wall. And I think you've seen it. Um, with, with Peyton, I think we know what this skill level is you, you see the hands you see the vision all that stuff uh but i think the thing that sets Peyton apart is that he works incredibly hard he doesn't really take any any part of the shift off he might make mistakes that happens but uh, his legs are always moving he's always trying to beat out an icing he's always trying to find a way to win a puck along the wall and then once he gets it he's decisive in making plays. are you confident nolan patrick will be what kelly mccrimmon said he was going to be when they got him I, I think that he has all the tools and all the potential to be um, what we've seen out of, out of Nolan Patrick when he's been healthy. And, and that's, you know, a 13-goal, 15-goal type player. Um, if you get that on your third line, that's a, a, real, a real plus for the Vegas Golden Knights. I think he, he's gotten better as preseason's worn on. And, you know, what I'm looking for is just production now. You, you just got to get goals to fall. You got to get points to stick. And, for Nolan Patrick, I think a lot of that's going to come with getting line mates that he's consistently playing with. Throughout the preseason, I would say he played without Yanmark and Bedanov more than he played with them. So, you know, it'll be interesting to see kind of how chemistry develops there for the Golden Knights on the third line. I know that you have to wait for production and see how they play, but it's been kind of a storyline, you know, in this preseason. 
how far into the season before you could see that second line shaken up? And do you, do you well, I guess the better question is, do you expect that to happen? Um, I, I mean, it's so hard to say, right? Because like, I don't know that that would be the line that you go and say, that's the one that needs to be shaken up. Like, I think everyone's always looking to fill Chandler Stevenson's role. You know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. everyone's looking for, okay, how long into the season before Nolan Patrick uh, asserts himself as a dominant center and he takes over Chandler Stevenson's spot? I think that's kind of a more accurate, accurate question just simply because the misfit line has been so good. Now, that all being said, I think that at some point there will be a shakeup. I don't know that it's going to be, um, you know, 10 or 15 games into the season because the results aren't there. I don't think the results are going to be hard to come by for Vegas. Um, <laughs> but I do think that at some point this season, Pete DeBoer is going to take an extended look with just a little bit different configuration to his line. And I think it might have something to do with Alex Tuck coming back. Alex Tuck. So somehow we're going to get like an Alex Tuck, Peyton Krebs, both into the top six. Well, I mean, that's, that's a, that's a big, big prediction there, Tyler. Get excited about the youth. Nobody ever well oversells the youth. Not never happens. Who's, who's, who's playing on the top line and who's playing on the second line? I don't know. You, Mark, you were worried about Mark Stone, bad preseason, bad regular season, healthy scratch. <laughs> okay. All right. That's ridiculous. <laughs> All right, he's Ryan Wallace. Tune into the VGK Insider Show over on Fox Sports Las Vegas from 4 to 6 p.m. Thanks, Ryan. Thanks, Ryan. Thanks, guys. Take care. First game on Tuesday against the Seattle Kraken. Uh, You worried about Leonard? Not really. Okay. No, I mean, no, he'll be fine. I don't think so. What, what, did he lose weight? Is he too skinny now? Is that no, the issue? No, I don't. uh, I'm 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 not worried about him. It will be fascinating, as Ryan said, though, because the focus of that fan base oh. on this goal oh. this year will just be outrageous. Anytime, 4-2 loss. I told it's, you so. It's going to be funny when it happens even in wins. Like they win a game 3-2. Three to, two, three to two. Oh. And like Leonard gives up a soft goal or something. Right. And it's just like, unbelievable. Uh, How could you trade Flurry? Golden Knights never are, do that. Golden Knights are 12 points ahead of exactly. Edmonton in first. <laughs> and it's like six games into the year. Like, what? What an unbelievable trade. It's going to be great. I can't wait for it. Like, that will be the funnest part of, of the season, seeing the reaction, win or lose, against that guy. I hope Leonard is super streaky. Like, I hope he goes on stretches where, like, for 10 games, he gives up, like, one goal. Right. And it's like, this is the best goalie in the history of the sport. And then he has a 10-game stretch where he just can't save anything. And I hope, I hope, flurry, flurry, right, flurry. And I hope we get both sides of that, because that will be phenomenal, of Leonard being awesome and bad over the course of the season. Because, yeah, fan base is going to be... Insane. Uh, Coming up next, uh, we are going to talk about the Las Vegas Aces. Bad loss for Bill Lambeer. Wait. Is Tyler a know-it-all? Can you prove him wrong? Tweet at Bischoff underscore Tyler and at Ed Graney. Bryant hits a high fly ball. Deep left field. This one is good. We're back to the Press Box Morning Show with Ed Graney and Tyler Bischoff. All right, here we go. We've got $50 in gift certificate to go to Smokin' Pig Barbecue out at 4379 Las Vegas Boulevard. Open seven days a week from 11 to 9. 
So 702-364-1100 is the phone number. We'll take caller number four at 702-364-1100. You'll get 50 bucks to go out to Smoking Pig Barbecue. And now we talk about probably the worst loss for any Las Vegas team over the weekend. The Las Vegas Aces lost game five to the Phoenix Mercury. Winner take all game. Winner goes to the WNBA finals to play the six seeded Chicago Sky. Aces have it on their own f- home floor and they lose. Yeah. Bad, bad, bad loss. Completely unacceptable for a title contender. Like context here, big picture and and the smaller picture. The Aces built a super team, right? Yes, they were the first they team in did. WNBA history to have seven players average double figures. Yes. They finished the year top two in both offensive rating and defensive rating. They got a playoff series with the five seed and the six seed is waiting in the WNBA finals. That was the path to winning a title, the five seed and the six seed. And they blew it. They lost game five on their home floor, a game in which the Phoenix Mercury lost two wing players, two of their main rotational wing players in the series to injury in Kia nurse and Sophie Cunningham. Phoenix only used two players off the bench in game five, and they combined to play 20 minutes. Phoenix had basically its starting five. Yeah, on the floor. And that was it. The Aces, it should have been a win. They should have been in the finals against this team. And by the way, in game five, let's ignore for a minute that the Aces lost two games in this series in blowout fashion, like not even competitive in two playoff games. We'll ignore that for a second. Game five, the Aces blew a double-digit halftime lead, or second-half lead, I should say. Second half. Double-digit. And the last four possessions of the game, this is what we had. Liz Cambage blocked by Diana Taurasi, got the ball back, missed the follow-up layup. bad. Chelsea Gray did hit a three. Good job. Tied the game. And then the Aces had a chance to go two for one in the final minute of this game. Take a shot with like 35 seconds on the shot clock. Guarantee you get a second good possession there. And the other team can't take the last shot. They don't do that for whatever reason. The Mercury switch... And so you have a guard defending Liz Cambage and Brittany Griner defending Chelsea Gray. Right. They don't throw it into Liz Cambage, maybe because she just missed two layups at the rim. But Chelsea Gray also can't beat Brittany Griner off the dribble, and the possession ends in a turnover. The point guard that Bill Lambeer went out and got to help fix this team couldn't beat a switch, couldn't beat Brittany Griner. And then down two with five seconds to go, they draw up a play. Asia Wilson was apparently the second option, but to 2020 MVP driving to the rim for a chance to tie the game blocked by Brittany Griner. That is a pathetic final four possessions of the game for a team that should be winning a title. They were, uh, they were down two at half and went on a 14 0 run. It should have been over then. It should have been been over then. It should have been there. You're at home. uh, Largest crowd, I believe ever at an aces Mm -hmm. game, 9,000 plus. Yep. That game should have been done. Then you go on a 14 0 run. You've taken everything out of Phoenix. Like you said, Phoenix is literally playing with its starting five. You should have run away and win by 10, 12 points. And it should have been over. They they shouldn't have even been in game five to begin with. You're playing the five seed after you built a super team, right? But then you get there, it's on your home floor, and you go on that 14-0 run to have a double-digit lead in the second half, and you blow it. I mean, that is it's completely unacceptable. And you look as to what has to change. Yeah. Can they win a title with Bill Lambeer coaching oh, you this got team? To, you got to my favorite guy here. You Can they win a title with guy. this guy running the team and coaching the team? I don't know if they can the way he coaches and the way he the way he runs things in terms of always searching for what they're doing wrong and not him. And it just drives me crazy. The other night... After the game, once again, well, they have Tarasi and, and, and Griner. They have these kind of leaderships. We're missing that. Then go get it or teach they someone did. how to be it. They got Chelsea Gray. Yeah. I mean, th- he th- did then, go get then it. Then develop someone. Or, and if it's not happening, develop someone else. 
coaches have egos. I get that. But even John Gruden said yesterday, I got to do better. I got to be better. I've never heard in four years Bill Lambeer really take uh, fault for anything. Anything. I, I He might have, after game three, Sam said he might have gone down there with like two words. But for the most part, Bill Lambeer stands up there and tells us everything that's wrong with his team or what his team's doing wrong. And that drives me crazy. The other night, that drove me crazy. You lose that series of series. You have no business losing. Losing to a team you're up 10 on in the second half. Point the finger at you, whether you believe it or not. Whether you believe you don't have a leader and, the, and, and, and your team didn't come through and they did a lot of stupid things. Okay, like you said. Who's calling for a two-for-one? Isn't that your job? Should be. Aren't you telling him we're, we're going two-for-one here because there's 35 seconds it. on the clock and you don't do it? That's you. Yeah, they don't do That's it. on you. We don't have a leader. Then you lead. Yeah, I, 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 that, that comment about saying Tarasi and Griner, where they don't have those type of players. Well, okay, you have, like you said, you built a super team. Okay, so you don't have one of the, big, uh, the best post in the league. You don't have one of the greatest players who ever lived. Okay, whatever. I mean, to not absolutely take any kind of blame to me, is just embar- it's embarrassing. It's embarrassing how he continually just lays the blame on his players. Yeah. I, I just and everyone's like, well, he'll never do it. You know, bad boys this, bad boys that. Yeah, that's fifty years ago. Come on, <laughs> give me a break on that stuff. To me, the biggest question is Bill Lambeer and his roster construction is the biggest reason why the Aces have not won a WNBA title, despite having so much talent being so good. They're built to win the regular season. They are built to just beat you up in the regular season on the inside. They're going to take more free throws. They're going to limit your layups and all that. But once they get to the playoffs, the aces all of a sudden can't score on the interior. Liz Cambage and Asia Wilson could not score in this series. They couldn't score yeah. against Brittany Griner, right? They can beat up teams in the regular season. Once you get to the playoffs, once teams focus in, you can take away some layups. You can make it really hard for the aces to get layups, and therefore they don't get free throws. And then on the other end, because you're playing both Asia Wilson and Liz Cambage together, We've seen it year after year. You can spread the aces out and beat one of their top-ranked defenses. They've been one of the best defensive teams in the regular season for three straight years. They get to the playoffs. They can't defend anybody. So what would because you do? they can't. It, who would am you I? Move on from him. Am I Lambeer or am I Mark Davis? No, you're Mark. Well, Lambeer's not going anywhere. Why would he? I mean, if I'm Mark Davis, it's hard to actually fire Bill Lambeer yes. right now because he has so much control of that organization. And if you do that, you're completely resetting. And it's not like they're a complete failure. They've been no. really close. But yeah, I mean, you've got it. Bill Lambeer is not going to change the way he coaches basketball. And until that happens, I don't think the Aces can win a title. They're, they're playing old basketball when you got to knock down threes every now and then.